an initiative of Franciscan University of Steubenville. Faithandreason.com. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I think, I'm sure you'll agree with me that, that this film, that Grassroots have made, is a real uh, gift to Mary's Meals, a very special gift. And in some ways, Mary's Meals is just lots and lots of gifts in so many ways. Um, certainly a gift to me. I think a gift to all of us who, who get involved in this work. I think doing this kind of work makes all of us more um, fully human, more the people that, that we're meant to be, people we are created to be. So uh, I just have this permanent sense of um, gratitude, I suppose, uh, for finding myself doing this work um, without it any, ever being any kind of plan of mine uh, to do it. I found myself doing it. And, I thank God for that every day because because it's a privilege to work with with the poor um, and it's a privilege to go around the world meeting lots of good kind people um, every day so I think I've got the best job in the world and uh, one of the best days I've ever had actually doing this work is uh, when we were making that film uh, and the day that we filmed uh, in that that rubbish dump in in Kenya which is probably one of the most awful places I visited to see the way the kids were suffering uh, there. And we went there very early one morning at first light to meet those children and we were filming there and as, as, the, you know, as the morning went on and more and more people were gathering there, and not just children, lots of adults who were um, on that rubbish dump as well looking for things to eat and to sell. Um, I suppose it was quite a scary place. There was lots of things going on and everyone was sniffing glue and a lot of violence. And so I was kind of, you know, keeping an eye on what was going on around me uh, while the, the guys from Grassroots were, were doing some filming. And then one of them came over to me, one of the Grassroots film crew and said to me, Magnus, there's, there's a little boy here that um, he keeps on, uh, keeps on asking us if he can go to school. We think you should meet him. So. I went over and said hello to him, the, the little boy, Musti, that we've just seen in the film. And he just said to me, I, I want to go to school. Over and over again, I want to go to school. I want to go to school. And he just wouldn't, he wouldn't let up. And um, after some time, I, I spoke to our Kenyan friends there that we work with to deliver Mary's meals. And I said to them, you know, is there something we can do for this little boy? Um, what can we do? And they said, well, we can take him to school and he'll get Mary's meals, but we really need to find him somewhere to, to live, to sleep. And uh, I thought at that time, at that moment when they said that, there wasn't any solution, there wasn't any hope. And they talked amongst themselves and then they came back to me and said, actually, we've had an idea. We've, we've heard that, um, that there's someone who's opened a home for street children on the other side of the city. And uh, so next thing we we took Musti out to our car and we drove across the, the city and uh, sure enough there was a children's home there and we went in and we introduced ourselves um, to the, the people who are running the home and immediately they said, oh, oh, you're from Mary's Meals. We've been wanting to meet somebody from Mary's Meals because you've just started feeding all the children in that school across the road there and that means all the children we are looking after here now get a meal every day at school and they were just full of gratitude and thanking us. And uh, so I thought that was a very good moment to tell them about the little boy in the car outside. <laughs> and, uh, and almost as soon as I did, they said, yeah, we'll, we'll take him in. 
So by about 10 o'clock, this is only still about 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, Muski suddenly found his life completely transformed. He had, a, he had a new home. And then we took him to one of the local schools where the kids were receiving Mary's meals. And, and then we said to him, just, you just come with us for the rest of the day because we're carrying on filming. And um, so he was with us for the rest of the day. And by the end of the day, he was behind the camera helping us. And, um, and then at one point, we decided to go s to get something to eat. So we went in um, a restaurant and I won't ever forget the looks and the faces of the waiters and the waitresses when we took this little boy in who, who didn't smell too good. We took him to the bathroom and scrubbed him. And uh, when we were eating at the table together, I remember one of us said to him, um, Musti, when's, when's, your, when's your birthday? And uh, of course he didn't know, um, he didn't know when his birthday was. So we said to him, today's your, your birthday. And, uh, and it just felt like such a privilege that day just to watch that little boy's life be transformed like that, to actually be there and to see that. And, you know, I know that's happening every day with the work of Mary's Meals. Thousands and thousands of lives are being saved and being transformed uh, by Mary's Meals. But to actually be there and to see it happen in that very, very dramatic way uh, was an incredible, um, an incredible gift. And, I was thinking again tonight watching this film, obviously I've seen this film a lot, you know, which can be a bit, can be a bit hard when you're in it, you know, but I, I never really tire of watching the film, to be honest. This, it's such a beautiful film. But I was thinking, it was, I think it was last year, it's been shown in all kinds of different um, places and I suppose one of the grandest uh, settings for screening this film was in a, a palace in Vienna last year, very, very grand, probably the most um, posh upmarket Mary's Meals event I've ever been at. Um, but it really struck me during that watching the film in that setting, um, how beautiful it was that in one way we'd taken those children into that place. And I, I always kind of get um, a great sense of joy out of that again tonight watching the film because those kids are the most marginalized um, children that you can think of. So. Um, so neglected and I suppose kind of discarded by society and by bringing them here we're saying you know we're putting them in the center and we're saying you're special and that's obviously what all of us believe that's what unites us all in this mission of ours of Mary's Meals that that every child is, is special every child um, has a right to food and education um, that every child should have the, the possibility um, to grow up and be the person that God made them to be. Um, so that's, that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for this film, because it does that so, so beautifully, brings us closer to those, to those children that we're, that we're serving. Um, I, was, I was struck like that again recently. I was in Liberia with Patty over here, who works for Mary's Meals uh, in the USA here in New Jersey, and I'll ask her to say a few things to you in a moment. Uh, but we were over... Um, in Liberia recently. Liberia is the second biggest Mary's Meals project. Um, we're feeding many, you know, many, many thousands of children there every day. And uh, it's a place of great suffering since the war there. Even today, less than, just less than half of the children in Liberia go to school at all. So when we introduce Mary's Meals to schools there, we see this massive increase uh, in enrollment, thousands of children coming to school for the first time, which is great. 
uh, and we were spending a lot of time going around all these schools visiting them and that was all wonderful but I think probably the highlight of our visit was where we where our headquarters are in, in Liberia we've we we were given this bit of land by a local community and we built our office and our accommodation for staff there. But also the first thing we built there was a home for uh, deaf children. And that came about because in the early years of our work in uh, Liberia, uh, I've been going there since 1997 uh, during the war there. And in the early years of our work there in schools, we, we re kept on meeting children who were, who were deaf and who were completely um, alienated, who had no way of communicating. Um, none of them had had any possibility to learn sign language. Um, and they were so vulnerable, they were so vulnerable to abuse and uh, just treated so badly. And so that's really what moved us to open uh, a school for deaf children. Um, it's a residential school, so all these you know, children stay there. And that's the centre of our Little Mary's Meals compound. Um, that we've built and it was so wonderful to go back there this time and meet because I hadn't been there for some time to meet these children um, who are now growing up and who can now communicate uh, children who couldn't tell us their name children who were living on the streets when we first took them in who can now who can now communicate and tell us um, their stories and I think the very highlight of that last visit was um, we had a mass in the local church for to celebrate Mary's meals and then in, in West Africa, they have this uh, lovely tradition of liturgical dancing, where, where children train to, to dance during the Mass, to celebrate the Mass. And it's taken very, very seriously. You have to train and be very good uh, at liturgical dancing before um, you would be like They dance you know, as, as, um, you know, at the entrance procession when the priest comes in. For example, they dance up the aisle in front of them. They dance up the aisle at the offertory, and it's a very beautiful thing. So anyway, uh, our, our deaf children had been training these last few months um, to become liturgical dancers. And at this mass in the community, it was a big church with a big congregation. Uh, there they were dancing up the aisle. And then one of them uh, signed to us the, the Magnificat prayer. And it was so moving, you know, to see it again, to see those kids who'd been absolutely pushed out to the edges of their communities to be there right in, in the centre um, and for that girl to be there uh, praising God as the one who fills the starving uh, with good things was a very, very special thing. So this, this work obviously is a work of Our Lady. Um, I think that's why it's grown in so many amazing ways. And uh, just very briefly I'll tell you a little bit more of the story. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but I, I, I want to tell you the story because I want, I want you to know why this is um, the work of, of Our Lady. Um, so when I was very young, 14, I went to Medjugorje as, uh, as we heard and uh, it led my mother and father to turn our family home, which was a small hotel into a Catholic retreat centre. So that's where I, I grew up. Um, and. When we first went to, to Medjugorje back in uh, 1983, my sister, who's five years older than me, she wrote a, an article about our experience and it was published in different Catholic newspapers. And we started getting letters from people all over the world saying, can you um, send us some more information about Medjugorje? It was before it was well known. And we, amongst that, it was over a thousand letters. Amongst that, those thousand letters, we got one letter from a lady in Malawi 
saying, I'm, uh, my name's Gay Russell, I fly a small plane around Southern Africa, and uh, I would like some more information, please. So mum, we all went back to school and university, poor mum and dad were left there handwriting all these letters. So mum wrote this letter back to Gay Russell. They had one exchange of letters, and then we never heard from her again. So that was 83, I think. So the years went by, um, 10 years later, by the time I was a young man, my brother and I tried to do this small thing for Bosnia, never intending it to be anything more than one delivery of aid. Uh, we just took one week's holiday from our work, drove the aid to Bosnia, uh, and discovered God had a completely different plan because by the time we got home, all these things we'd asked for, for our little appeal, the food and clothing, carried on pouring into our home. So that's when I prayed about it and decided to give up my job and sold my small house and began driving the truck back and forth. So that's how this work was, was born, really. So anyway, that work had be begun and we called it Scottish International Relief to begin with. And the years went on and we were working in many different parts of the world. So 10 years after that first trip to Bosnia, 2002 by now, um, terrible famine in, in Malawi. We'd never been to Malawi before, but we were seeing on the television the news reports about this terrible famine. And we were at home in the retreat center and we were saying to each other, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if we could do something to help the people in Malawi? And we were saying, who, who do we know in Malawi? Wonder whatever happened to that lady that wrote to us 20 years ago, Gay Russell. And incredibly, there's this man from England who we didn't know on retreat at our place who said, oh, I, I know Gay Russell. I, I, I'm working with her right now. We're building a, a church in, in Malawi together, uh, which is a re replica of the church in Medjugorje. So he said, I'll reintroduce you. So he did. We got in touch with Gay, went out to see her. First evening we were there in our home. Well, first of all, we discovered that she was very involved in famine relief work. Um, and then at one point in the evening, she opened this drawer in her kitchen and she took out the letter um, that my mum had sent her 20 years earlier with a photograph of my sister and I with the visionaries in Medjugorje. And, uh, and so anyway, we began working with her and uh, doing famine, emergency famine relief work. And during the, the course of that work, uh, a local priest took me to, to meet a family in his parish. And he said to me before we went in, um, the father of this family has already died. He died about a year ago. And now the mother is also dying. She has AIDS. And when we went into their home, uh, the mother, Emma, was lying on the floor and she had her, her six children around her. And I was talking to her. She was called Emma. And she said to me, you, you know, there's nothing left for me now except to pray that somebody will look after my children when, when I'm gone. And then I started talking to her uh, oldest child beside her, and he was called Edward. And Edward was about 14 years of age. And maybe like you'd say to any young person you meet for the first time, I, I said to him at one point, Edward, what's, what's your ambition? What's your hopes in life? And he said to me, I would like to have enough food to eat, and I would like to be able to go to school one day. And that was the extent of his ambition at, at 14 years of age. So then, at this time when I met them, this, that had a huge impact on me, that encounter with Edward. Um, a couple of days later, I was staying with Gay Russell, this uh, lady, and the man who'd reintroduced us, who was building the church with him, was staying there, uh, building his church. And he said to me one evening, Magnus, I want to share something that happened to me with you. He said, last year I was out here in Malawi and I was feeling uh, really depressed about all the poverty and the suffering of children especially. 
and uh, I came home to Gay's house where I was staying and I turned on the television and he said there was a speech being made uh, by a senator, Senator George McGovern, and he was saying in this speech, he was addressing the Senate and he was saying, if America decided to provide uh, every child in the developing world with one meal every day in their place of education, it would lift the developing world out of poverty. It would change um, the developing world. And he gave this very impassioned speech. And Tony said when, when he was watching this, he got this inspiration that if somebody took that concept and gave it to Our Lady and called it Mary's Meals, that it would actually happen. And as soon as he shared that with me, uh, it just resonated in, in my heart. It was like everything we'd been doing all those years since and that God had been doing in us had led us to that moment, that this was the work that God wanted us to do. And that's why we began Mary's Meals that year, end of 2002, feeding 200 children in one school. And from the beginning, we gave it to her very specially and asked her to, to show us how she would have us do this work, show us how she would have us do it in a way that honored her son. And uh, I'm sure that's why this work has grown in a miraculous way. So here we are um, today, uh, no, today's Sunday, so it's a school day, it's tomorrow. 792,000 uh, children uh, will be fed Mary's meals tomorrow. And that, that number just keeps growing and growing. And it grows because of all the wonderful things that people like you uh, are doing. All those you know, little acts of love. That's how I always think of Mary's Meals. Just lots and lots of little acts of love. None of us are doing anything spectacular. Um, but when you put all those little things together, uh, it is something very spectacular. It's something that's really changing the world. And, and uh, you know, and I think another sign of, of God's mercy in the world and God's love for, for the poor. I know when we began, sometimes when I would stand up and say, our vision is that every child in the world should be able to have one good meal every day in their place of education. I think, understandably, people would quite often look at me and think he's, he's lost a plot. He's, he's mad to have a, a vision like that. But in all honesty, the more we do this work, all of us involved in it, I think the more we believe that that is possible. And it's, it's much more mad that children are buying, dying of starvation today in this world of, of plenty. You know, I'm sure we've all heard the myth that there's too many people in the world and that's why there's hunger. And that's nonsense. There's, we produce far more food in the world than we need to feed all of us. Um, and you know, when you see Mary's Meals, how it grows and how we can reach the, the poorest and the most marginalized children, th this is possible. There's no good reason um, why any child should die of hunger. And today, probably around 18,000 children died of hunger, as we saw in the film. So I do think our vision can be realized. Who, who knows when? I think that's in God's, uh, in God's time. So, I, I, more than anything, I just want to thank you, all of you who've already been involved in this work, and maybe any of you who are new to it, just to encourage you to, to get involved, because every little thing we do for Mary's Meals can, can change lives and, and save lives. And maybe just to say, because it doesn't say it explicitly in the film, that today, on average, we can feed a child for $16.80 uh, a year. So it's not too difficult for us to change um, 
the life of a child. And the other thing I would maybe ask you just to finish is, is please pray for this work. This work's a, a fruit of prayer. The, the retreat center that my mum and dad um, began, uh, it, it existed for 10 years exactly before this work was very unexpectedly born. And I, I believe it's a fruit of, of, of prayer. And people all over the world are praying for Mary's meals. And please do that. Pray that, that we reach more children who are waiting for Mary's meals today and pray that we continue to do this work in a way that really um, honors Our Lady and, and gives glory to, to her son. Pray for those of us who are making decisions about this work, that we do that um, the right way. An initiative of Franciscan University of Steubenville. Faithandreason.com. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind.